I don't know about you, but in the morning, particularly maybe on a Sunday morning when you get up early, your body takes a while to wake up. Can anyone else relate to that? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you, you know, you kind of, for me, I got up and came downstairs, put the kettle on, had a, had a cup of coffee, you know, had a shower, got dressed, had another cup of coffee. <laughs> you know the drill. Um, so it takes a while for your bodies to wake up. But um, our bodies are amazing things, aren't they? Once they're awake and once they're functioning properly, they really are incredible uh, things, our bodies. It's amazing how they work and how every day we, we you know, we wake up, uh, we, we eat, uh, we go out, we interact with other people, we come back, we, we wash, we dress, we undress, we, and when we go to sleep, we do it all again. And, and our bodies are able to do even the most mundane tasks. It's really quite amazing when you stop to think about what our bodies are capable of doing. And obviously, it's amazing what, what our human bodies can do when they really push to the limit. And uh, one of the things I love about last summer, about every four summers, is the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics and love seeing the incredible things that the human body can do when pushed right to the limit uh, and when, when people have trained so hard, when people have kind of really, really focused on doing the best they can in one particular discipline. It's incredible to see what the body is capable of and all these amazing records that are broken uh, year on year within athletics or whatever it is. It's incredible, really, what our bodies can do. Now... If it's not too deep a thought, for first thing on a Sunday morning, think about the Lord Jesus for a minute. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? The Son of God, he had a body, didn't he? He had a body, just like ours. He was a, he was a man. Uh, well, he had a body, he's a historical figure. There's proof that he existed. But just think for a moment about the fact that there was a time when he didn't have a body. The Son of God used to not have a body, and at a certain foreordained moment in time, the Son of God became a zygote, then he became an embryo, then he became a fetus, and then he became finally a bouncing baby boy. Obviously, we just had Christmas where we celebrate that happening. God took on human flesh. God came inside a body. Absolutely incredible thing that we, uh, that we love to, to think about. And, and, and uh, you know, roughly about eight pounds or so of, uh, of flesh God took on when he became a baby. I think that's one of the reasons why, as Christians, we, we love the incarnation. We get excited about thinking about the fact that God became a human being. Because the Latin, the Latin word incarnate it basically means in the flesh. God became flesh. And of course, he then grew up to be a man. A man with 206 bones, 32 teeth, nine pints of blood, a chin which needed shaving, feet which needed washing. And of course, we know the story of what happened when Jesus, within his body, when his body was 33 years old, Jesus allowed it to be rudely taken from him. His head was beaten, his beard was ripped from his face, his back was torn by the whip, his hands and feet were skewered to a criminal's cross. Those nine pints of blood were drained from his body. So having become a human, having taken on a body, the son of God's body was was then reduced to that of a corpse. And obviously we know within the story of the gospel that at the time that seemed like a massive victory for Satan, a massive victory for the evil one. But only three days earlier Jesus had explained what he was about to do. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. 
Jesus said to the Passover worshippers in John 12, 24. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And what Jesus was doing was prophesying, was talking about what was to come. He was going to give up his body. He was going to give up this body that he'd taken on it. Like a seed, he was going to allow it to fall to the ground and die. But he did it willingly because he knew that God had a plan. He knew the principle that if a seed falls to the ground and dies, that's the only way it can produce many seeds. He knew that God was going to give him a new body, one that would continue his ministry on earth. And he explained this plan to his disciples in John 14. He said, if it, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will ask the Father and he will give you the Spirit. So this was God's amazing genius plan that was being outworked, that Jesus knew what he was doing, Jesus knew what was coming, and he was telling his disciples ahead of time. They didn't understand it at the time. Later on, they they did understand it, that there was this incredible plan that was being executed by all three persons of the Trinity. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. So instead of what the plan was, was instead of one person, instead of Jesus carrying out his ministry within his human body, there would be many, many who would continue his work and would do greater things than he has done. Now, this is where this is heading. The amazing outworking of all of this, and this is what I want to bring to you this morning, is as Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. That's our main passage for today. But this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Paul says to a local church in Corinth, very similar to a local church such as us, he says these words, Now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ of Christ and each one of you has a is a part of it now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it it's really quite amazing statement when you consider the background of how Jesus gave up his body in order that God would give him a new body and that's us the body of Christ so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12 uh, starting in verse 4 Going through to verse 14. Paul writes, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. So, like a human body, the church, the body of Christ, is, is many parts, with many individual parts, just as you have your body is made up of lots of individual parts. So we are made up of lots of individual parts, and yet we are part of one body. We have a sense of collective identity as being one together. Though we are many, we are one. We belong to one another. That's what it is to be the body of Christ together. We belong to one another. Jesus, he died. He allowed his body to be given up. He allowed the seed of his body to fall to the ground in order for this to exist. That's what's amazing about the gospel. It's amazing about what it is to be the church, to be the body of Christ. He, he grafted each one of us into his body and I think the first thing for us to consider as we, as we come to this passage, and we're going to be opening it up, we're going to be looking at it some more, but the first thing I think for us is that we need to adopt the right mindset about church, about what it is to be church together, okay? And the mindset we need to, to adopt is less of an individual mindset and more of a collective mindset. Yeah, we live in a society that is individualistic. Very individualistic. Everything is filtered through, through me, through what I see, through what I want, through what my needs are. And sometimes as Christians, we can think like this about, about church, can't we? We can think, okay, it's, it's me and God. It's my relationship with God. And then church is over here. It's something that I, that I choose to kind of add into my life. Perhaps, you know, me and my relationship with God is the most important thing. And church is kind of over here. And I, you know, I, I invite it into my life. Whereas the biblical perspective is actually God and his church... And we, by his grace, are grafted into it as individuals. You see the difference? That, that's, that is the biblical perspective that we need to adopt when we think about this stuff. Okay, we are individuals, obviously. This is the whole point. It's saying we, we've got different things to bring. But the big plan, the big picture, is God and his church. God and his body. And by his grace, whoever we are, whatever background we come from, however kind of well brought up we are, whatever background we come from, whatever ethnicity, whatever nationality, we can all be grafted into the body of Christ. And that means that we are one. We are united. We belong to one another. We're no longer just individuals. We're more of a collective. And this, this, is, so this is like the starting point, but it can be challenging to think like this. I know, just because of, of culture, uh, perhaps because of, you know, Perhaps you're new here. Perhaps you've only been coming to this church for a short time, so it's difficult for you to feel like perhaps you're, you're, you're part of a, a body that's united together. But I guess the thing is, is that if something doesn't quite feel like, like it should, how's it going to change? Well, one thing is we start thinking in the right way. We start thinking in the way that the Bible te- teaches us. God says we're one body. God says that we are his body. We're united in him. So that's our starting point. And we can adopt that attitude as we start thinking about this stuff. But obviously we need to work this stuff out. It's it's not automatic. It's not like a a magic kind of thing where we all kind of walk off into the sunset together, united as the body of Christ. It's something we have to work out in our own own lives. And it takes intentionality. Uh, Just like a human body. Um, A human body needs to learn to function, doesn't it? It needs to learn to function. You're not born as a baby and then immediately start doing stuff. You have to grow, you have to learn. 
Um, I was at uh, Mini Kids on Friday morning, um, the toddler group uh, that we run. It's just moved locations. It's just come to a new location uh, in Bourneville, really fantastic new location. And uh, it was great to be there and to see, to see the team sort of running it there. And uh, all of the regulars sort of found their way back. And it was fantastic to see it kind of becoming established in a new place. And uh, one of the things I love about going to like a toddler group is obviously little kids, they're really cute, aren't they? They're really, really cute. And one of the things that's so cute about little kids and little tots and toddlers is because they're learning to do stuff. They're learning to walk. They're learning to, to use things. And, and, and their bodies are just sort of learning the ropes of how to be a human being, aren't they, really? And that's, th- that, that's what it's like. And, and it is a little like that with us as the body of Christ. You know, we don't immediately kind of go off running with full adult strength. Perhaps we have to learn to function together. We have to learn what our strengths are. We have to learn what our gifts are. We have to, um, to learn to, to, to function together, and it takes that intentionality. So really, what I'm appealing for from this, um, for us to do, is to each of us to find our place in the body. That's what I believe God wants us to be able to do. In order for us to function well together as a body, we need to find our place. Find our place in the body. And for some of you, you may feel, great, I, I think I know my place. I think I know. I know what I am. I'm, I'm an ear. I'm an ear. I'm, that's what I am. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm listening out. I'm an ear. Maybe for some of you, you just think, well, I've no idea whether I'm an ear or an eye or a whatever else. I've no idea what I am. Maybe for some of you think, well, I think I'm an ear, but I wish I was an eye. Maybe, it, maybe it's just a confusing thing to think about. And I really want to just help us to, to think about this today and to... Um, I think what God wants to do is just to encourage each of us to help us to find our place within the body. It's a very important thing, a very important thing for us each to do. So how can you find your place within the body? How, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, as I've said, first of all, we need to adopt a more collective, a more body mindset. The idea that we're all together in this. We're all in this together we, we, we are parts of the body which function to help one another and to grow the, the, the whole. But um, three things really that I've got in terms of how we do this, how we find our place in the body. The first is get to know the Holy Spirit. The second is get to know the gifts that the Holy Spirit is giving you. And the third is to play your part. Okay, so firstly, get to know the Holy Spirit. It says there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. And again and again, it keeps saying, here's a gift, it's by the Spirit. Here's a gift, it's by the same Spirit. Here's another gift, it's the Spirit that does it. It's all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely central to this whole question of the body of Christ. It's him that builds the body. It's him that puts the parts together. The Holy Spirit is the one that builds the church. He's the one who is active in building the church. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, well, Jesus said that if you believe in me, streams of living water will come from within you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Essentially, when you become a Christian, uh, when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit as a gift to come and live within you, his very presence. So if you're not a Christian here today, if you're looking in, then the Holy Spirit is something that, that God will gladly give you, but you need to give your life to Jesus first. But for those of us who are Christians, he is the one who brought us to the place where we said Jesus is Lord. A little early in this passage, Paul says, no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's the one who does that. He's the great evangelist that has brought us to Jesus. He's led us to Christ. 
He's revealed it to our hearts. He has brought us into that saving relationship with the Father through Jesus. And all of us who are Christians will will know that. We know that, yep, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He does that. He's involved in us starting our Christian lives. But it's also totally crucial that that he is involved on an ongoing basis in our Christian lives. We need to live by the Spirit. As well as having received the Spirit, we need to live by him. I think sometimes perhaps we can think, can't we, as Christians, okay, I, I relate to God the Father. I know that God is my Father. I know that Jesus is Lord. I know that Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit, well, he's kind of there. He's, he's involved in all of that, isn't he? He's kind of like the conduit for it all, and he's sort of there in the background. But, but actually, how often is, is he a person that we relate to? How often is he the person that we pray to, talk to, worship, and, and know deeply? And Obviously, remember, the Holy Spirit is the third person of, of the Trinity, of the Godhead. You can know him personally. You can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the presence of God within us. And it's really important that we do that. It's really important that we get to know the Holy Spirit. And if you know him, get to know him better. He always wants, to, uh, wants you to do that. But this is something that, you know, actually you do need to receive the Holy Spirit as part of that. You know, as I said, when we become Christians, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift. So um, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, quite simply, you need to just ask God and he will give. Jesus said, you know, if you ask, you will receive. He's a good father who knows how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. For me personally... I received the Holy Spirit about nine months after I'd become a Christian. I was just on my own one night in my, in my room. There wasn't anyone else present. I was praying. I was asking God to um, show himself to me more. And I just, I just felt that I knew the Holy Spirit was, 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 was upon me. I just felt the power of God coming through me. And, and the thing was is that my life changed after that point. I'd been a Christian for about nine months. I hadn't told another soul. It was, a, it was a secret thing. It was just something that was going on in my private life. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit came on me, and, and, and I had the boldness to go out and talk to other people about it and to be more outward about being a Christian. And I think that's the key thing, because we can get, we can get tied up about this. You know, do we, Is there a separate baptism? Do you receive the Holy Spirit at conversion? Different people believe different things. All of us have different experiences. I guess the point is... However you receive the Spirit, you need to go on in Him. You need to know the fruit of His presence in your life. And when someone has the Holy Spirit, there's, the idea is there's an outward evidence, there's a change in your life. But I just want to encourage you, I felt it was important to, to just to put that out there. If you, if you think you haven't received the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray for you. Because believe that God pours His Spirit out without measure. And that, and that you know... He will bless you. He will give you his spirit if you haven't had him. just want to tell you a quick story um, that someone's been coming along to the church for a while. They're not in this site. They're in a different site. Um, but um, I don't know them personally, but I've heard this story that um, they, they went through this process themselves. They, 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 they felt stirred to ask God to, for more of him in their life. And they came to the river uh, back in the autumn term and they encountered God. They encountered God that evening, and I'm, I'm told that their life has changed quite a lot since then, that they, that they now pursue God, they now want to pray, they now want to, uh, want to live their life for God uh, more, more outwardly. Okay, so so that, was, that was very recently, here in this room, 
Someone got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God's doing it. He wants to pour his spirit out. And he wants, to, he wants us each to grow in relationship with him. So maybe think about your, your story. Think about perhaps your own baptism of the spirit or when, when you became a Christian and you knew that he was with you. Uh, maybe it wasn't something that you necessarily felt, but maybe there's, just, there's been times where you've known, you've been convinced beyond doubt that God is with you and that he is with you by his spirit. Or maybe you just know in your life day to day that God is with you just important to sometimes to draw on those experiences at times when we feel when we feel dry when god feels distant we need to draw on those experiences that we've had and remember that he's there and for all of us it doesn't hurt to hear this again we need to come back to receive once once again god's power god's presence by his spirit he's longing to to pour out on us and i think the thing is when we get to know the holy spirit better what we see is that we're more attuned to God. We're more opened, our ears are more open to hearing God's voice. We become more bold, more courageous, uh, and we're in a better place to discover and use the gifts that God has got for us. Okay, so point one, get to know the Holy Spirit better. Point two, get to know the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Back where we started in the passage, the Holy Spirit has given each one the gifts as he apportioned. Okay, so the Holy Spirit wants to give gifts to each one of us. Now, what are the gifts? What are the gifts that he might give us? Well, I've got a little list here, uh, which these are the kind of four main passages within the New Testament where it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is kind of a, 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 a sort of semi-exhaustive list, really, of what the New Testament says are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lots of things up there. I'll just give you a moment to, to kind of process that and look at that. Now, I wonder, looking at that list, whether you f- can feel for yourself, yeah, I know, I think I know what my gifts are. Perhaps for some of you, that's, that's true. You look at that list and you can immediately pick out maybe a few, two or three or one thing that you think, yeah, that's me. Maybe others that you think, yeah, I think, I think, that, I think that as well, perhaps to some measure. Maybe others of you, you look at that and you think, I've no idea. <laughs> That's fine. It's absolutely fine if you think that. Because part of this is, you know, you can, you can learn, you can, you can ask, you can receive. Maybe for some of you, you might look at that list and you might immediately gravitate in your mind towards things that seem, I don't know, perhaps more practical, perhaps, perhaps more grounded or more everyday. Perhaps you look at things like, Miracles and distinguishing between spirits and think, whew, that's, that's a bit over my head. <laughs> and maybe you perhaps are drawn to more things such as administration or serving or teaching. And maybe you think, well, that, that's my gift. Well, there's a few things to say to, to each of you, whoever you are. If you, if you know what your gifts are, then keep listening because hopefully this will be an encouragement for you to stir those gifts and to grow in those gifts. If you've got no idea what your gifts are, that's fine. I'm going to talk in a moment about how you discover how to work out what your gifts are. And if you look at those gifts and you think perhaps more the admin serving, teaching, the less kind of seemingly miraculous ones, well, let me just remind you that these are all gifts of the same Spirit. They're gifts of the same Holy Spirit, okay? And the same Holy Spirit who does miracles and who, who heals people, who raises the dead, 
wants to blow on and bless and empower your administration gift, your serving gift, your helping gift, your teaching gift. We should expect the same miraculous power of the Holy Spirit to be working through every single one because it's him that does it. In, uh, verse, in the beginning of this chapter, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And he's teaching us, he's saying, look, look, this is important. I've got some stuff to say to you here. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to be informed about this. And then he goes on to list these miraculous examples in, in verses 9 to 11. You know, um, a message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, etc. And the thing is that this is about the power of God. This is about God's miraculous power. I think if you feel drawn to perhaps the more perhaps some of the more practical gifts on this list, there's a couple of things you need to be careful of. One is one actually could be pride. Because if you if you kind of feel drawn towards well, I don't know about the spirit, but I know that I'm naturally quite organized, for example, then you just got to be careful because God might have given you natural gifts. That's absolutely fine. God, God, God might have given you organizational gifts. He might have given you whatever gifts he's given you naturally. And if you use those gifts to bless the church, then great, the church is going to be blessed. But it's only going to go so far. You're only going to be able to go as much as you've got energy for and as much as you've got capacity for. And actually, there could be a danger of pride. This is me. This is, my, this is what I'm bringing. Whereas actually, do you see the distinction? If, you're, if, you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to empower your gifts that he's given you, then you can go a lot further because it's his power that works through it. It's not just you. It's not just you bringing your gifts. It's the Holy Spirit bringing the power. And also, there's no room for pride because it's all, it's all him that does it. It's all his power that works through you. Now, obviously, God gives us natural gifts. Those are great. He gives us natural gifts and you know, we can use those. But he also wants to give us these gifts of the Spirit, which, which go further, which are supernatural. And I, what I really believe is that God wants to show more of his supernatural power through us as a church. I really believe that. And we need it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who builds the body. He's the one who, who brings us together. You know, the church doesn't grow just through clever plans or through hard work or through you know, clever ideas, it's the power of God, it's the Holy Spirit who, who, who changes things, who brings life out of death, who brings light out of darkness. It's him that does it, isn't it? It's him that does it. We, we need him so much. And just to encourage you, that this, this is happening. You know, I'm not sort of saying, look, this isn't happening. We need to do this. This is happening. There's much evidence of this uh, in our church. Our, you know, our church is founded on, on words that God has spoken through prophetic gifts. You know, it's, it's founded on, uh, uh, it's led uh, in a way that's, that's spirit-fueled, spirit-inspired. But it's also in the normal, in the day-to-day, this can actually happen. And just as an example of this, I'd encourage you to have a look at our Church Central Stories of Breakthrough page. Just scroll and have a look at the last year or so of breakthroughs that people have posted on there. You will see examples of healing, of uh, including healing from deafness, healing from um, you know, someone's leg being lengthened by God's spirit. You'll see salvation. You'll see people who've, who, who've come to know God because of uh, friends in the church sort of sharing um, him with, with them. You'll see words of knowledge that were really significant in different places. You'll see lots of different stories that wouldn't seem out of place in the Gospels and in the ministry of Jesus. 
And you know what? That's because this is the ministry of Jesus. This is the ministry of Jesus carrying on in 21st century Birmingham through us a lot. Uh, so this is happening, and this is brilliant, and I just think that God wants to increase this. God wants to increase our expectancy, actually, of him. I'm going to just, just challenge you. Are, are you believing God for the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit in the church? You know, sometimes we can be convinced of it in terms of thinking, yeah, okay, I believe that theologically that's correct. But do you, do you expect it? Do you expect it? You know, when we come to church, when we gather, do you expect to see him moving in the body? I really believe that God wants to increase what he's doing here. I really believe that God wants to bring more breakthroughs, more freedom, more miracles, more evidence of his spirit believe that this is going to be a church where people come in and they see the spirit moving they see god moving in lots of powerful ways through big things through kind of breakthroughs and miracles but through the day-to-day as well we just need to be a spirit fueled church now what's the purpose of all of this and this is really key for us as we're thinking about this as individuals as you look at that list and you think about what are my gifts Here's the thing that grounds it. Here's the thing that lands it and that helps us to see what the real purpose of this is. Why would God give someone a gift of tongues? Why would God make someone an evangelist? Why would he give someone the gift of distinguishing between spirits? And here it is in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service. That's the key word. But the same Lord there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone in the same sorry, in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each of you the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And that's the thing. These are gifts of service for the common good. So he gives us gifts so that we can bless the wider body. He gives us gifts so that we can function as a body part along with all the others. Spiritual gifts are a tool to be used, not a badge to be worn. Okay, and that's really important. And all of these are work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Is this okay? I'll get a gauge from you. Is this? Yeah? yeah? Good. Thank you very much. So, the third thing is, 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 is that there's plenty. There's plenty, and that this really is for everyone and this is something you need to hear this this is for you this is for everyone this isn't for some this is for all of you if you're a believer if you have a faith in Jesus Christ and you're you here you come here you're part of this body here then God wants to give you his Holy Spirit and God wants to give you gifts that can be used to build up the body to each one it says the manifestation of the Spirit is given and God's will is that we all use our gifts for the common good and you know what, I think, I really believe that, that there's enough as well. I think that's important. I think that God wants to give the body sufficient gifts in order for it to be built up. Okay, so that means that if each of us here can enable the body to function if we're all using our gifts. Okay. It also says in verse 24, God has put the, the body parts together. God has put the body together. God has placed you here and this is really important as well God has placed you here God has placed you here you're not just here by chance God has placed you here 
God has got things he wants you to do. God wants you to be a functioning part of the body. So there are plenty of gifts because the Spirit gives them. He knows how many we need. He, needs what, he knows what we need. And we can trust him to make up if there seems to be anything lacking. He, he, we trust him. We look to him for the gifts that we need to build the church. So finally then, we can all play our part. You are the body of Christ, in verse 27, and each one has a pl- part to play. Each one has a part to play. Each of us is a vital organ to the body. Okay? Each and every one of us, no one is a spare part. No, one, no one's gift is less important than another. Uh, Paul goes on in this passage a bit later on to say, you know, well, what if the eye says, well, I'm not an ear, so I'm, not, I'm less important? Or what if some parts of the body seem more presentable and others are, are less presentable? Well, well, he just makes the point, well, look, they're all important. They're all important. Every single part is important. Every single one has a part to play. There's no hierarchy. There's no pecking order. Every single gift is crucial to the body. Now, some people have you know, been using their gifts for longer. Some people have a, a, a greater, perhaps a measure of a gift that's, that, that's further on than someone else. Well, that's fine. We're all, wherever we're at, we can all take steps in growing in our gifts. We all have a unique contribution to make. And it's important, again, just, just as we come to a close here, just to remember that this is, this is a team sport. <laughs> this is something that's about us being together as a body. This isn't, this isn't about God giving you gifts to go off and do your ministry with, necessarily. This is about God giving you gifts to serve the whole, to serve the church. A dismembered body part is not very useful. But, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And just a quick thing, very quickly on, on the context of this. Obviously, this is speaking into mainly collective worship. It's talking about the body and the church when it's gathered together, but this is also relevant for, um, obviously, the fact that many of us, uh, well, all of us, pretty much, are, apart from Sundays and apart from when we're not gathered, we're out there in our communities, we're out there in our jobs, we're out there um, in, at home, we're, we're, we're in our streets, we're with people around us, and, and those gifts that God gives us, we can use them there as well. You know, it's not just for Sundays, it's not just for when the church is gathered, it is for the building of the church, but it's for also the extending of God's kingdom. You know, that happens by the Spirit as well. That has to happen by the Spirit. So if you, if you kind of maybe are wondering, look, I feel like my calling is more out there than in the church, then that's, this is still relevant for you. You can still uh, use the gifts that God has given you. You can still rely on the Holy Spirit's empowering for you in what he has called you to do in the workplace or in the world. Okay, that's really important. So, just bringing this to a close then. Action plan. Action plan for each of us. If you're someone who uh, doesn't, know, doesn't feel like you know the Holy Spirit, or you're someone who feels like you want more of the Holy Spirit, would love to pray for you. Okay? Perhaps at the end of the meeting, we're going to be here, would love to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Or even if you just feel like perhaps you know the Holy Spirit, but you just want more of Him, would love to pray for you. If you don't know your gifts, if you feel like you're not sure what your gifts are, here's what you can do. Obviously, first thing, ask God. Ask God. You know, if, if you ask him to give you gifts of the Spirit, he will. Okay, I, I've had experiences of that. I've, I've, I've asked God for, for that, and he's, he's, he's answered. He's, he's given. He, he's a good God. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. Also, chat to your friends. Uh, speak to your life group leaders. 
speak to speak to a leader in the church, get some get some counsel, get some wisdom um, from others uh, in terms of just thinking. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this. I feel like God might be saying this. That's really good. Let's get some. You know, let's do this as a community. Let's work out our gifts together. The other thing is, of course, start testing them out. And that's the bit where you need the courage and power of the Holy Spirit as well. Start testing your gifts out. Uh, start, start listening to God. Start, start doing it. Uh, and again, ask others to kind of encourage you in that. Ask others to stand with you as you do that. And what we can do as a community, what we can do as a body, is we can create an environment where gifts are nurtured and encouraged. Yeah, we can create an environment where we have a low bar for each other and we're not expecting, you know, amazing kind of, you know, if someone's stepping out in a gift of prophecy, we're not expecting them to just whew, be absolutely amazing right from the start. We're, we're, we're encouraging, we're nurturing, like in life groups, is a great context for this, particularly in a smaller setting. Let's, let's take the opportunity to step out in our gifts, to step out, to try, um, to try and, and, and uh, start to move in them. So, if you know your gifts, if you feel like you know what God has given you, then maybe a reminder for you is, remember this is, this is a work of the Spirit. It's designed to be Him that works through you. Allow Him to, to blow on those gifts. Allow Him to grow those gifts. Allow Him to hone those gifts more and more in, in your life. And thank Him. Thank Him for what He's given you. Allow Him to just offer them to Him again. You know, for him to work on, to him to use in the church.